Hello and happy Monday and welcome to Astrobot, a podcast where I get down to the nerdy dirty details of this ancient language and sometimes about you. I'm your host and astrologer, Karo, and today I have an episode about Cancer and Capricorn rising, who belong to the cardinal sign family along with Aries and Libra. First, I'll share some information about these polar opposite signs, then we'll go into what each generally looks like as a rising. Later, we'll look at some real-life humans' charts and check out what's happening in their rising sign. Friendly reminder, this is not a full chart analysis. I'm just looking at the rising sign and related pieces of the chart to help you see different possibilities. If you hear my cats, that's just my life. <laughs> um, full chart analyses can be booked with me at my website, calendly.com slash underscore. It's a good time and you get a personalized slideshow and my notes afterwards. And we can also record the session if you want to do that. I do birth chart readings, solar return readings, and sun moon rising readings right now. And I would love to get to know you better. See full details at calendly.com slash underscore. And the link is in the show notes. Cancer and Capricorn are associated with the 4th and the 10th house axis. The 4th house is at the bottom of our chart. The house of home, private life, family, foundations, and lineages. It's what comes to mind when you think of where and who you come from. The 10th house is way at the top of our chart indicating the spaces of our career and public roles and reputation. It's what we do out there versus what we do when we're home in our private spaces. Both of these signs and houses are about security. They seek the security in different ways and spheres. As I said, they're both cardinal signs. Like their buddies Aries and Libra, they're great at starting shit. In the Northern Hemisphere, Cancer marks the summer solstice, the longest day of the year, and Capricorn marks the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year. Cancer is the season when gardens are fullest and bursting with life. During Capricorn season, we get the opposite. Everything is dead or dormant, and the sun goes down at like 3pm. Why? One is for going to the beach, and the other is for staying inside with some warm, comfy blankets. Or going out in the snow, if that's your thing. But to that I say, why? <laughs> Cancer is a cardinal water sign, and Capricorn is a cardinal earth sign. Cancer goes inward in its search for security, through sensitivity, and through feeling its way through life, while Capricorn seeks security outwardly, in the material, sensory world. This is the public versus private dynamic showing up again. This valuing of security makes both of these signs very nurturing. Yes, even Capricorn. They want to give others a sense of security in the way that they know how. Cancer through empathy and feelings, and Capricorn through the sensory and material. So that's what Cancer and Capricorn have in common. And let's talk more about Cancer now. Some general Cancer things. The sign's archetype is the nurturer. Its symbol well, this one is kind of hard. It kind of looks like two curvy sideways reverse number nines on top of each other. I hope you got the visual somehow. It's supposed to look like crab claws because it's represented by the crab. 
I love the crab metaphor for understanding cancer. Crabs are soft and squishy on the inside, but protected by a hard-ass shell. They have to be, because in addition to being soft and squishy, they're delicious and everybody wants to capture them and eat them. They've had to develop strong defenses in order to survive. Cancer as a sign is also this way. Cancer is warm and nurturing to the blossoming gardens that Gemini pollinated last season. It wants to give and soothe and grow things. But it also knows that everybody wants a piece of it. Cancer wants to be safe, so it's cautious before it gives out its nurturance. It knows too well that it can get hurt, and it will do everything it can to protect itself from that happening again. Consider everything I've just said, and now I'm going to tell you something that makes you go, oh, that makes sense. Okay. Cancer is ruled by the moon. In fact, it's the only sign that this luminary rules. This means that only Cancer risings are ruled by the moon. They're specially connected and sensitive to its cycle. That is fucking sick. Anyway, more on Cancer rising later. For now, The Moon by Richard Tarnas. Moon. The matrix of being, the psychosomatic foundation of the self. The womb and ground of life. The body and the soul, that which senses and intuits. The feeling nature, the impulse and capacity to gestate and bring forth, to receive and reflect, to relate and respond, the need and to care, to nurture and be nurtured, the condition of dependence and interdependence, the diffusely conscious and unconscious, the anima, the imminent, the centripetal, the home, the fertile source and ground, the cycle of manifestation, the waxing and waning, the eternal round, the ruler of the night sky, of the diffusely visible and the invisible, multiple sources of luminosity within the encompassing darkness, the polycentric, yin, the whole that contains the part in potentia, luna and all lunar deities, the great mother goddess, together with aspects of the child, constituting the relational matrix of life. Being ruled by this luminary sounds like a powerful thing. That's Cancer Risings, whose motivation for life is to nurture who and what they care about, while staying as emotionally secure as possible. Cancer Risings have a soothing and thoughtful presence that shows that they're sensitive to what you need, moment by moment. Their body will often be expressive of their feelings without the person necessarily meaning to, like getting red when embarrassed or upset, crying easily in public, or seeming to actually fume when they're upset or mad. This can get on Cancer Rising's nerves because they don't want you to know how they feel until they decide to tell you. With the moon as their ruler, safety and security are always at the forefront of the way they make gut choices. They might come off as shy at first because they're feeling things out, feeling you out, or trusting you with their warmth if they feel safe enough. They prioritize privacy. They prefer getting together with new people. Just kidding. <laughs> they prefer getting together with people and places that feel like home 
to taking a trip to someone somewhere new. Mess that one up. The moon also rules the path, making nostalgia part of Cancer Rising's personal identity. This could come out as simply the person is always reminiscing about the past and conversation, or more harmfully, as not being able to let go of painful feelings or grudges. Like I said, Cancer Risings are super attuned to the moon cycles. It might be helpful for Cancer Risings to track these cycles and how they affect their mood through the month so that they can be prepared and or patient with themselves as they go through them. Or if you're not a Cancer Rising and you want to be kind of weird and creepy, you can track the cycles of a Cancer Rising you know. Actually, no, that's pretty weird and creepy. Don't do that. This is a weird segue into today's chart. <laughs> In true Cancerian fashion, this person prefers to rename unnamed <gasps> mystery. I promise I'll never track your moods with the cycles of the moon and use it to plan when to ask you a big favor. <laughs> anyway, this is the chart of a Cancer rising, Leo sun, and Pisces moon. I'll describe the relevant parts of the chart as best as I can, and remember I'm only looking at the rising sign components and this is not a full picture of this person's chart at all. So let's first get a broad perspective by checking out the elemental energies. So she has four planets and points in water signs, two in fire, five in earth, and one in air. Most of the personal planets are in Virgo, this will come up more later. We see that her feelings-oriented motivation for life and emotional needs get a good amount of grounding energy from all the Earth planets and points. We also can't overlook the two little sparks of fire, or should I say big sparks of fire, since they're the Sun and Jupiter in the buoyant sign of Leo, lending their enthusiastic outgoing energies to her outer expression. They're in the second house of resources, assets, and possessions. This is where she'll experience her bright and shiny Leo self the most. Jupiter in the second house sounds so baller, <laughs> like an abundant reserve of internal and external resources at all times. Sign me up! There are no planets in her first house, so we'll move on to her ruler, the moon. This chart's moon is in Pisces in the ninth house. How cute! My moon is in the ninth house too! The house of higher learning, of Sagittarius, the truth seeker. This friend and I met in grad school, and I'd consider both of us to be nerds, so this makes sense. Anyway, the moon is in neutral territory in Pisces. It's at home in Cancer, as we've talked about. It struggles in Capricorn, does well in Taurus, and has its hardest time in Scorpio. This is a special kind of moon, because this moon is only two degrees away from her MC, meaning they are conjunct. Any aspects that the moon makes, the MC makes too. The MC is kind of like the co-ruler now. As I mentioned before, the MC is an angle in the chart that shows our higher calling and purpose in life. Moon conjunct the MC and the ninth house could mean that part of her calling in life is to engage in higher learning that involves using emotions, intuition, and creativity. This also makes sense. My friend is also a therapist and social worker, a job that involves going into higher education and learning, among other things, how to help people with their feelings in creative ways. 
I know, another therapist friend. These are my people. <laughs> okay. Okay. On another note, it gives me psychic spiritual vibes because of the moon in Pisces. And it makes me wonder if my friend frequently has some crazy ass dreams. Maybe through leaning into this part of herself, my friend can also be a sort of spiritual teacher, a la Ninth House. I have questions. We'll talk. <laughs> the moon and the MC are making a trine to the ascendant, indicating a positive flow of energy between her watery ass rising and her watery ass moon and MC in Pisces. They work well together, boosting the importance of feeling the feelings realm in her life experience and vocation. She's super sensitive and attuned to other people's feelings, and this comes out in the first impression she makes on others. As her friend, I feel this is true. I felt very seen by her when we first met. A little too seen. It's not you, it's my Capricorn moon. Don't look at me. The moon and MC in the ninth house are also opposing Venus and Mars, who are conjunct in her Virgo third house. This is a big one that I'm not going to go too deep into today because it's a really complex aspect involving four planets, but here's a little bit of context. Oppositions indicate a sense of needing to balance these pairs, like there's a constant push and pull between them. It's between two personal planets in earth signs and two personal planets slash points in water signs. The feelings part versus grounding in material reality part the axis of higher learning and early learning. These are all personal planets and points opposing each other. Although this aspect could be a challenge, we do have two supportive aspects touching them that will help out quite a bit. The Ascendant trining the Moon MC combo and the Ascendant sextiling the Venus-Mars combo. There's tension, but there's also a lot to work with here. The cat. I feel like there's missing information that I need to con that I need to continue interpreting this aspect. If this were a reading, I'd be able to get my friend's insight as to how these planets and elements manifest in her life, and we'd make meaning of this together. That is the best part of readings, actually, learning about people's real experiences and seeing how that illuminates things I wouldn't have seen otherwise. Since we don't have this mysterious Cancerian figure with us right now, we shall move on. The other aspect the moon is making is a sextile to Uranus and Capricorn in the 7th house. As we know, Uranus is the planet of change and awakening, and for it to be subtly but positively interacting with the moon MC conjunction gives me emotional breakthroughs vibes. Like she's familiar with emotional breakthroughs within her partnerships or helpful at creating them. It's also connected to her calling in the 7th house of partnerships. So again, if this chart didn't already scream therapist, it sure does now. Nice job with the career selection, buddy. <laughs> Those are her ruler's aspects and some of her ascendant aspects. There's just one more ascendant related aspect and it's a cute one. Um, it is that ascendant sextiling Mercury in Virgo in the third house. This is another super Mercury, like if you remember my sisters from our previous episode about Gemini and Sagittarius. What makes this Mercury so super? Two things. Because this Mercury is also in a sign that it rules, which is Virgo. This placement makes Mercury very happy and able to function at its best. 
and Virgo is analytical, detail-oriented, and practical-minded. So having an ascendant sextile to this Mercury helps these things come out strongly in this person's persona and identity. This is the chart of a great communicator, and this is super true for my friend. Overall, through this chart, we see a Cancer rising who's very feelings-oriented and whose higher calling is directly connected to this part of her identity. This Cancer rising approaches all her interactions in a communicative, intuitive, and sensitive way. The watery Moon MC conjunction and watery ascendant are working really, really well together. All types of learning are highlighted as important, giving me lifelong learner vibes. There are some challenges in integrating their water and their earth energy, but this is supported by harmonious aspects that she can use to overcome them. This has been your mini rising sign analysis demo. Now we must take a break. When we come back, I'll tell you about Capricorn rising, and then we'll look at the chart of my Capricorn rising pal. If you like the music played during the break, check out the show notes for song and artist information. ETYL. different vibe, but not that different at all. Capricorn's archetype is the Wise Elder. It's a cardinal earth sign. Its symbol looks like a squiggly little N. It's represented by a sea goat, and the symbol is its little horns and tail. Consider a sea goat, an interesting creature that can thrive on both the ground and underwater. That's Capricorn. It can do anything. Like its season, the start of winter, Capricorn can be cold and serious, and sometimes even cynical. But it's also about New Year's and the celebration of the progression of time. It's enduring and it has discipline, even in the most uncomfortable circumstances. It wants the satisfaction of achieving its goals and reaching the next level of whatever it's pursuing. Unlike Cancer, who does this more inwardly through their feelings, Capricorn seeks safety and security in the material world. It also wants to nurture this material security for other people. Associated with the 10th house, it wants recognition from the public to be witnessed as someone who's worked hard to achieve something great. It uses its resources wisely and practically, like fellow earth signs, Taurus, and Virgo. The darker side of Capricorn includes an unhealthy need for other people's approval. Capricorn does its best when it's working towards something it truly cares about, rather than just to impress others. Also, workaholism. Take breaks, Capricorn. You are more than your responsibilities and duties. 
you are a human being with needs. Okay? Okay. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn, who I will read about now. This is a long one, but I felt like it was all important. And you'll thank me when I talk about the Saturn cycles in a future episode. There we go. Saturn. The principle of limit, structure, contraction, constraint, necessity, hard materiality, concrete manifestation, time, the past, tradition, age, maturity, mortality, the endings of things, gravity and gravitas, weightiness, that which burdens, binds, challenges, fortifies, and deepens, the tendency to confine and constrict, to separate, to divide and define, to cut and shorten, to negate and oppose, to strengthen and forge through tension and resistance, to rigidify, to repress, to maintain a conservative and strict authority, to experience difficulty, decline, deprivation, deficit and defect, defeat, failure, loss, alienation, the labor of existence, suffering, old age, death, the weight of the past, the workings of fate, character, karma, the consequences of past action, error and guilt, punishment, retribution, imprisonment, the sense of no exit, pessimism, inferiority, inhibition, isolation, oppression and depression, the impulse and capacity for discipline and duty, order, solitude, concentration, conciseness, thoroughness and precision, discrimination and objectivity, restraint and patience, endurance, responsibility, seriousness, authority, and wisdom, the harvest of time, effort and experience, the concern with consensus reality, factual concreteness, conventional norms, conventional forms and structures, foundations, boundaries, solidity and stability, security and control, rational organization, efficiency, law, right and wrong, judgment, the superego, the dark, cold, heavy, dense, dry, old, slow, and distant, the phoenix, Kronos, the stern father of the gods. <sighs> well, I think he about summed it all up when he said, heavy, am I right? <laughs> I mean, that is how it must feel to have Saturn as your ruler. Just imagine all that as the planet that steers your motivation for life. Of course, it depends on whatever is going on in the chart that might modify the rising sign. But still, shout out to Capricorn and Aquarius, who Saturn traditionally rules. If your ascendant isn't in one of these signs, you still have them in your chart, so check out the house that they fall in and see where you might feel more Saturnian influence in your life. <laughs> so, who is Capricorn rising? Well, they're your high-achieving friend who always has a plan for how to reach their next goal. They're the entrepreneur, business owner, or CEO. They like to be their own boss. They're very organized in terms of how they get their work done. They're the kid that acts m- much older than their age, like a little adult in a child's body. They're authority figures and those who diligently follow authority figures. 
Capricorn Rising is motivated to be as materially secure as possible in life and to work as hard and as long as necessary to achieve that. They play the long game in life and they truly grow into themselves as they get older. Capricorn Rising wants to be known for its integrity. Also, just because they're the opposite of inward turning cancer, it doesn't mean that they don't turn inward too. In fact, this is a key part of the way that they find security. By taking time alone and away from the public to think and plan and recharge. They're not a very social sign unless the rest of the chart indicates that, which it totally can. Let's look at a real-life Capricorn Rising's chart and see what we can see about the way it functions in her life. Her name is Robin, and for context, surprise surprise, she is also a social worker. <laughs> she works in a career that is quite therapisty, but also very administrative. Administrative. <laughs> she has boss vibes. She's a Capricorn rising with a Libra sun and a Gemini moon. Let's take a little peek at the rest of her planet. She has two planets in Earth signs, four in air, including her sun and moon, four in fire, and two in water. So although she is an Earth rising, she's very airy, and fire is also important, especially considering the personal planets Venus and Mars are in fire signs. This is an example of a very social Capricorn rising. With a Libra sun and a Gemini moon, both super connecting and relational signs, her Capricorn rising is giving a little more of a nudge to work with others to achieve its goals, rather than purely in solitude. Her fieriness might also, also help her accomplish things more quickly than Capricorn's slow and steady approach. If I had more time, I would go into how the MC is in Watery Scorpio, which sticks out from the rest of her chart and makes her calling feelings-oriented. But there's a lot of interesting things to discuss, so for now, that's all you get about that. I'm very excited about the planet that Robin has in her first house, because it means we get to talk about Neptune! We haven't really talked about Neptune at all yet, but it's one of my favorites. Here's some more about Neptune from Richard Tarnas. I promise it's shorter. <laughs> Neptune is associated with the transcendent, spiritual, ideal, symbolic, and imaginative dimensions of life. With the subtle, formless, intangible, and invisible. With the unitive, timeless, immaterial, and infinite. With all that which transcends the limited, literal, temporal, and material world of concretely empirical reality, myth and religion, art and inspiration, ideals and aspirations, images and reflections, symbols and metaphor, dreams and visions, mysticism, religious devotion, universal compassion. It is associated with the impulse to surrender separative existence and egoic control to dissolve boundaries and structures in favor of underlying unities and undifferentiated wholes, merging that which was separate, healing wholeness. And he goes on for a bit, but that's the gist of it. Neptune is super woo-woo, as I've heard of the term woo-woo. Anybody know? Alright. It can be hard to grasp because hard to grasp is part of Neptune's very nature. Having Neptune in the first house sounds like a trip, or like being a trip, 
And I'm not just saying that because Neptune is associated with psychedelics, alright? But he is. You can see how having Neptune in the first house could look like many different things. It could look like coming off as spiritually wise, mystical, or imaginative. It could look like dissolving the boundaries between you and other people so that everyone you meet feels like they're one with you. It could look like extreme sensitivity and perceptiveness of the environment around you. It could look like a multi-dimensional multi combination of these and other Neptunian things I mentioned earlier. This is another one of those I wish Robin was here to answer some questions I have moments, but that alas, but alas. Robin, let's chat about Neptune very soon. Next, let's look at Saturn and what the heck he's doing in the chart as her ruler. Robin, Saturn is in Sagittarius and it's conjunct the planet Uranus in the 12th house. We'll talk more about that conjunction in a bit, but for now let's consider how Saturn does in Sagittarius. Saturn is at home in Capricorn and Aquarius, does pretty well in Libra, struggles in Cancer and Leo, and has its hardest time in Aries. This means in Sagittarius, Saturn is neither challenged nor enhanced. He is just chilling there being your average Saturn. Or is he? Just kidding, not a mystery, I'm about to tell you. Because of the Saturn-Uranus conjunction, he's not just chillin' being your average Saturn. It's important to note that anyone born within a couple of years of Robin will have this conjunction in Sagittarius because these planets move slowly. But it's special for Robin because this is her ruler we're talking about. This aspect gives me spark of electricity in the darkness vibes. And that's because the house that it's in, the 12th house, is the house of retreat, rest, reflection, and things that are hidden or hidden away. It's also the house of mental health and institutions such as hospitals and jails. Interestingly, Neptune is the modern ruler of the 12th house, so another point for Neptune vibes. With Saturn and Uranus together, we see two very different archetypes combined. This is a Saturn that's more comfortable with fast change, disruption, and the breaking down of systems and structures it loves to rule. It's like a rock and roll Saturn. And Saturn makes Uranus one that works well over time, with structures and limitations. Very unlike Uranus by itself. I think this is such a cool alteration of the ruler's archetype and I really see it in Robin herself, especially taking into account the 12th house associations with mental health and institutions. At her job, she works within institutions to advocate for the mental health needs of the people they serve. A big part of her motivation for this work is wanting to change the institution's culture at large. Very social worky, very Saturn Uranus in the 12th, if you ask me. One challenge I can see of this natal aspect is being kind of off-putting to more traditional conservative people who would rather that structures stay in place and never change. This could especially come up in first impressions since we're looking at the ruler of the rising sign. But you'll see later that there's a couple aspects that come to lighten this up. Let's move on to... Damn, that's a lot of aspects! <laughs> this is a very colorful pie. I'm not going to be able to get into detail about all the Ascendant and Ruler aspects because there's just a lot, but I'll do my best to give you a big picture view. 
I'm gonna start with some of the intense ones and then go to the cute ones that lighten things up. Okay. The first pair we'll look at is Saturn Uranus and the Ascendant opposite the moon in Gemini in the sixth house of daily work, health, and habits. Rock and roll Saturn Uranus in fiery Sag, the grounded Ascendant, and the airy moon are all competing for attention. And the moon is particularly stressed out here because it has three planets and points coming for it. It's tense, but luckily Gemini and Sag are mutable signs and adaptable to change. And Capricorn isn't so bad at adapting either. This gives me the sense that whatever there is need to balance here, Robin is well equipped to handle it. This set feels important in the chart, but vague to me because I have questions about them and I would need more information to interpret. Adding to this tension are a couple more aspects. The Ascendant is square to the Sun and Mars, and it's also opposite Chiron. These bring more pieces of the chart in conflict with the Ascendant. A couple more sources of inner conflict around identity. But the aspects I'm about to tell you about will really lighten up all of this heavier stuff that I just talked about. Robin has a lovely exact sextile to Mercury in Libra in the 10th house. This connects her 12th house with the house of career and public roles and indicates a positive flow of energy between Saturn Uranus's rock and roll vibes and her fair, discerning, and relational style of communication, especially in the realm of career and who, she's, who she is in the world. Libra is also associated with justice. Again, very social worky. A lot of astrology is just looking at charts and being like, hmm, that makes sense. Then, Venus comes in to bless us with her presence. Not in just one trine, but two. Venus trine Saturn conjunct Uranus, and Venus trine the Ascendant. Any Venus aspect is going to bring a sense of attraction, harmony, and relational energy to the planet, or in this case, planets and points that it touches. In the 8th house, Venus is in Scorpionic territory, the house of shared resources, death and rebirth, transformation, and merging. In fire sign Leo, Venus works with Sagittarius to bring harmony and charm to Saturn Uranus's combined opposite tendencies, which, like I said earlier, could come off as pretty jarring to people who don't like that kind of stuff. Venus can also soothe some of the harder aspects to the Ascendant, maybe bringing a sense of inner harmony among the inner conflict. It gives me the vibes that through using this charmed Venus and that exact Mercury sextile Saturn Uranus, she's able to win over the haters and accomplish transforming the structures and systems that she seeks to disrupt. It also helps her harmonize all the different parts of the chart that complicate her personal identity and use them to her advantage. There's probably a million other ways to interpret the way these aspects work together, but that's what's sticking out to me. Overall, this chart's rising sign ruler and its aspects show us a very special type of Capricorn rising. This Capricorn rising is still all about accomplishing great things over time, but she's going to do it in a more disruptive, subversive way. She goes against Capricornian standards of practical conservatism and upholding structures. She has a charm about her and expresses herself in social, relationship-oriented ways 
with a fiery spirit that directs her energy. Like I said, we've only gotten into an itty bitty piece of Robin's natal chart, and there are many more direct dimensions to who she is than the ones I've just mentioned. This has been Astro Vibes, a podcast where I have gotten down to the nerdy dirty details of this ancient language, and maybe about you, and definitely about our mystery cancer friend and Robin. I had a great time writing this episode, and an even better time sharing it. So thanks for letting me do that, and special thanks to my two pals who let me use their charts as an example. Thank you so much. That was really cool. Next week, I'll be talking about Leo and Aquarius Rising, who are our second to last rising sign pair. Isn't that crazy? We're almost done with the rising. I think it's crazy. For more content, our listeners can follow Ambient Vibes Music on social media and check out the merch for Astro Vibes at ambientvibesmusic.com slash avstore. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye.